What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sofa Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Jewell, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Reed Dank. Reed, how are you doing today? It's a victory Monday, brother. Living. We're living large. Victory Mondays are always good. I'm glad for you. Uh, big news for you. Bears re-signed Nathan Peterman. I know you'd be excited about that. Big Nathan Peterman guy. Yeah, it sucks. I wanted the Lions to trade for him, but, you know, <laughs> listen, it is what it is. You got to lock him up, right? Got to, got to. In today's episode, me and Reed are going to recap some of the big stories coming out from week five in the NFL. We are already, what, a quarter of the way through. It's crazy to think, but here we are. Dude, it's crazy. I was already looking today to see what times the, you know, or, you know who's playing, because it'll always be the Lions and uh, and whoever they play in the PM. So it's always the 12.30, 12.40 time zone. I was just looking to see how that's going to go on Thanksgiving. I was looking at the Cowboy time. And then I didn't even realize the evening matchup is is the Niners and uh, I believe it's Seattle. What what a strange matchup, huh? Could be a good matchup. I have no idea. After what the Niners did to the Cowboys last night, I I mean, that could go something very similar. They just seem like they can't be stopped right now. But it is an interesting one. It's always fun to see because, you know, you're going to get the Lions. You know, you're going to get the Cowboys. And then that third game on Thanksgiving is always just kind of up for grabs. Yeah, and, and the last couple of years, it's been alternating between the AFC and NFC setup. So I'm curious. Also, man, I, I'm I'm happy that your your Ravens are getting some promotion time on Christmas Day, man. But we're, we're doing the Christmas Day games again, huh? I guess so. I believe that they play at night, that 8 o'clock, 8.30 game, which is good. I'm glad that they don't play it any earlier than that. But I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings about the Christmas game, I guess. So, you know, it's good. It's bad. I, just mixed feelings for me overall. Yeah, like I said, just doing some schedule looking, I'm just very surprised at all the all the craziness surrounding what we got going on with future games. I no disrespect, I, you know, I've only ever associated Christmas with the NBA stuff because that's the only sport for the longest time you ever had going on, uh, you know. And so it's it's cool to see at the same time, you know, you're also want to focus on your Christmas and your family too. So there's an aspect and element to both. If you're a, if you're a football guy too, you know, it's a great day to get some Christmas ball and same. And some Thanksgiving ball, but yeah, yeah, no, no, exciting time, especially because I think that they're playing the 49ers. So I'm glad that game's not any earlier because I don't want that to ruin my Christmas if the Ravens are to lose. So, yeah, for sure, definitely fun to see it on Christmas now. But you know, I just kind of wish my team wasn't playing, but it's okay. What are you gonna do? I we can't control that. All right, man. So we're just gonna open up our, our talk with a little bit of Lions football, man. Wow, craziness, huh? A big week for the Lions. We talked a couple weeks ago about like, you know, are they going to be consistent? Are they going to kind of get some wins going? Are they going to go back and forth, win-loss, win-loss? And, I mean, they just proved to be dominant once again. Yeah, so Brian Branchless' defense looked fantastic. Um, there, there were some moments in that game where I felt, you know, 24 points against wasn't really reflective and indicative of how we played. It really felt like we only gave up one or two touchdowns because the first half looked and, and replicated that type of score. We, we played fantastic in the first half. So I, I was merely excited just to see um, the likes of Jamison Williams come back for the first time, you know, since this whole break with him and the gambling suspension, which is awesome to see him back on the field. But, but wow, has he has he ever come, you know, starting to come into life a little bit? Um, he had about two or three drop balls, if I can remember, where they were just wide open, should have had that catch type deals. 
Um, and he also set a, an amazing screen that, that sent David Montgomery to the end zone. If his screen isn't there, Montgomery doesn't get that first touchdown to start the game. So a lot of positives we saw from Jameson Williams. A couple things that just felt like the rust didn't get off the layers yet. Rust is still a little bit there. Um, but offensively, didn't seem like anybody that, you know, that we saw on the field missed a beat. Josh Reynolds stepped in for Amon Ross St. Brown and basically took his numbers from him, which was awesome to see. And, uh, you know, I think my player of the game, just despite the only two, you know, a few catches he really had, uh, still went for two touchdowns and only got about 40 yards offense. I'm going to say Sam Laporta, in my opinion, was my MVP. He looked fantastic. Uh, I know you could point to some of the corner play and Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, my gosh, that another interception. I saw a stat this morning that said – I saw a stat this morning that reflected that he has more interceptions this season than Sauce Gardner and two or three other rookies in this class. And for a line, you know, a defensive lineman and, and middle linebacker-type player to be doing that is incredible, man. So he, he's got to be a close second to, to Laporta, but – yeah, with the two touchdowns in the end zone, I'm going to say Sam Laporta was my personal MVP. Uh, and what a game. What, a, what an awesome, awesome game um, on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, with, with one serious thing to talk about. Um, yeah, so in uh, some good news off of uh, a totally weird and negative thing that happened yesterday, offensive lineman Chandler Zavala of the Carolina Panthers today was just announced to have been released from the hospital in Detroit. Um, I believe the hospital that he was at in Detroit was Detroit uh, Mercy Hospital. Um, I'll have to double check that when I when I look at the reports. But uh, he gave he gave a thumbs up. He got a standing O in Detroit. Uh, Frank Reich said that he he'll be back with the team allegedly this week in practice. Um, there's no timeline for when he'll uh, he'll be back to Charlotte, but at least he's just been released from the hospital today in Detroit. And uh, good good things looking up. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be traveling with the team as I just said, but but hope you know hopefully he's going to get back to his form. And if Frank Reich's already saying he won't, he's looking to get back in the field then. That's a great sign. It was scary. He looked like he collapsed. Um, I'm glad it was it was nothing too strenuous. It sounded like it was just a light neck injury. But but that was we, we talk about injuries and, and injury reports when we're doing these, you know, these podcast episodes. That was a scary moment. It looked like he collapsed on the floor and, and we were going to have an even greater problem. But but thank goodness he's OK. And, and was, we were definitely thinking about him during the during the midpoint of that game, too. Yeah, I was watching that game. I had that game on my phone. And I looked down at my phone and I saw everybody was knelt down. Everybody was like on the field, like just observing the cart was already out there. I was like, what happened? What did I miss that that just happened? And I so I texted you right off the bat. I was like, something bad must have happened. It was good to see when he was carted off the field. He gave that thumbs up. That was a really good sign. But, you know, it's just so unfortunate. Every week there seems to be injuries, awful injuries. I'm glad that he's doing OK now. But. If we get back to the Lions, no Amon Ross St. Brown, no Jameer Gibbs, no problem for the Lions as they just kept it rolling. I think that last week I said that this would be the week for Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta to become more household names. And obviously, Jameer Gibbs didn't play. That didn't matter for David Montgomery. Over 100 yards off of just 19 carries, had a touchdown for himself. And Josh Reynolds stepped up big too. And Jameson Williams, another boost for that wide receiving core with, you know, their number one guy out. But, I mean, I'm just reiterating what you said here as Sam Laporta stepping up so good. Two touchdowns, the the one touchdown that, you know, they ran that trick play. Sam Laporta gets wide open up the sideline. I mean, you just can't beat it. He's playing so good. One of the best tight ends in the league just as a rookie so far. Fantasy value through the roof. I mean, 
just a really good performance. Jared Goff and him seem to have a great connection. And hopefully Jared Goff and Jameson Williams can get a connection like that as well because Jameson's just such a great target. He didn't get too much in the passing game going, but as the season goes on, I mean, they're gonna ha- they have so many weapons on offense. They can just unleash all of them. I think sky's the limit. No, com- completely agree. Um, unfortunately, we have another negative thing going on in Lions realm. However, from this game, Emmanuel Mosley will be out for the rest of the season with this injury that he took yesterday. Mid game, he went down in his leg. Looked like he was trying to make uh, a snag that he could. Um, went down. Looked like it was a rough, rough landing. And now it's turned into a season-ending injury. So defensive woes continue to plague, and and we're having some trouble keeping our our roster healthy. But but yeah, this adds another layer of unfunness with with the whole Sutton injury. The two guys we brought in, uh, the two guys we brought in a corner to uh, to be locked down, shut down corners from free agency, and they're both hurt for the rest of the season. Um, not really what you want to see if you're a Lions fan. It was a win, but it really just it, it kind of amplified an already uh, unfortunate situation. Really unfortunate here for Emmanuel Mosley as he makes his debut this season in week five. He makes his way back from a torn left ACL. Now he tears his right ACL. I mean, it just it can't get any more worse than that. You just feel for him because what are you supposed to do? It's like the worst injury to have. You know you're going to be out all season. And for him to tear the first one, come back, battle through that, now tear the other one, like, you just feel so bad for the guy. After a defense that's playing so good, you know he wants to be a part of that. And like you said, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another one. You guys bring in these pieces, bolster the defensive back room, and then now you guys are just decimated with injuries, which you know happens to every team, but it's just so unfortunate to see. No, it, it is, and it begs the question now, Tyler, of, of do we stick with this corner core? We have, you know, as it stands right now, our corners and safeties are good, but, but you know, we, we got to make sure we're up to the talent of, of Lions football that we've set as a standard right now, right? So we're kind of setting that standard of we want our defense to, to, to mimic the style of the city and be ultra-aggressive and in your face. And, and that has worked with, with Mosley and Sutton, but, you know, now without two of those guys, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, without and Gardner-Johnson, we still have Sutton kicking around, but, but man, it's just – it's a, it's an it's a nuisance. Um, it really is with with no CJ and, and now we're gonna have no Mosley. That's two guys right there that you 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 know you pulled for and and look at look at where we're at now. We're we're, we're short staffed a guy. Um, so the question to me, Tyler, and, and maybe the question for our viewers to watch and, and pose is, okay, with this in mind and this injury, do you go out and acquire a corner, you know, just as a, as a short term rental from another squad or? You know, do you ride out with what you have? I, I have a feeling that maybe we'll have a, a, a brief discussion before, you know, the time Thanksgiving rolls around about are we going to have to go out and acquire another corner or another free safety to, that can kind of play corner? At this point now, it's like, what's your biggest weakness? And with all these injuries, the corner depth is just getting decimated. So it makes sense to say maybe we should go out and acquire a corner before, you know, the trade deadline. Rumors have it that the Broncos, basically everybody on their defense is available to trade at this point, which is very surprising. They have some studs on defense. Maybe you get Patrick Sertan. That's going to be, that's not a short-term rental. Obviously, that's a thing where you give up a lot to get him. Probably a first-round pick, maybe even more. And then, you know, you got to sign him to a big deal. I don't know what the cap situation looks like next year for the Lions, but, you know, just a name to throw out there that would be a massive, like, put him in your roster, the team immediately gets better kind of player. 
Yeah, it'd be a splash acquisition or trade if we could make that happen. Um, you know, obviously you want you want the best, but for all I know, his general manager ideology might be like, these are the cards we're dealt and we're playing them while we have it, right? Because why would you want to hinder the cap situation? So we'll see what happens. It's difficult because you went outside and these guys, these guys can't perform physically, can't perform. So it, it's a it's a rough situation, but I'll take it. I'll take a victory Monday. I'll take being four and one for the first time in two since 2011. To this point, 12 years since we've been in this position at this day at this time, um, even. So listen, I, I'm riding the high of all highs, but but these are just. It's good to have, I, I think, and it's healthy for you, especially as a Raven fan. You've had some some, you know. Well, it, it's good to obsess about the things that you think could be better because you're in such a good spot, right? The offense is clicking unlike any offense in the league. Our defense is still in the top 10 as it stands, according to most reports. Um, and the Carolina game proved that. So if we can just at least keep the keep the, ch- the ball moving with the defensive structure, um, I, I'm still taking back everything about Jerry Jacobs' uh, claim I made two weeks ago, and, and – He's continued to prove me wrong, so I hope he does. I hope he does. I mean, he th- he gets two picks in the Packer game, and he didn't look awful against the Panthers. I didn't see him on a bunch, but yeah, we'll we'll have to address the corner situation. That seems to be our 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 lagging problem with no Mosley. Yeah, I mean that's what you're gonna need. You're gonna need guys like that that haven't stepped up in the past, haven't played a whole lot, maybe to step up with these injuries. Obviously, it's a cliche, next man up. But if you can get a guy like Jerry Jacobs to come in and make two interceptions in one game, I mean, obviously that's just going to fill a void that, you know, is huge for the defense. You got a lot of pieces. That Hutchinson interception was spectacular, like you said. That was, I don't know how he caught that. He's just on another level right now. You could get Brian Branch back real soon. That would be good. I mean, there's just a lot of potential here, and it's fun to watch. You see a lot of young teams and a lot of teams that have made big acquisitions in the offseason, and then there's a lot of hype about them, and then they just don't come together. And now you guys are finally getting it. I think that you guys have built up a young roster with some core cornerstone pieces, that that's a big part of it. It's not like you guys just brought in a ton of big-name free agents. Next up, we got the Ravens playing at the Steelers. Tough game for me to talk about, really. Not how I expected this one to go. The Ravens offense only puts up 10 points. A lot of thoughts coming out of this game. A lot of instant thoughts in the heat of the moment. Now it's been 24 hours, a little bit of time to digest, really think about it. I was thinking about it all day, to be honest. I think that the one thing that encompasses the whole thing the most, Patrick Queen after the game says, it's the same old story every time. I'm pretty sick of it. Ravens fans can relate to that. Ravens players can relate to that. Ravens coaches can relate to that. The Ravens just have a knack for giving up games at the end. They have a knack for losing games that they're supposed to win by a big point differential. What were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, no, I mean, I, listen, this is a hard, hard game to to even dissect for, for Ravens fans. And I understand why. This was supposed to be the, the get to Pittsburgh and get it done type deal. And, and it just didn't happen. Now, I want to start off by saying, is does every game have to involve some kind of Lamar Jackson, like nervousness that, that he just can't, like every game there seems to be so far this season, some kind of play where his hands are, are twitchy or they, or they just can't can't keep them still why is there like a problem with him gripping the football is, is there a bigger question are his hands too small can he not is he Kenny Pickett can he not grip the football I don't know what he's doing I think that it's a mix of a little bit of everything I don't know if you want to blame it on the O-line if you want to blame it on 
Lamar not being able to hold on to the ball. I feel like he has at least one fumble in every game. Yeah, I think he has the highest turnover rate of any player in the NFL so far. I think he has seven or eight fumbles already. They recovered about four of them. He has a couple interceptions, so just kind of all over the place. But national media headline today, Stephen A. Smith talking about it. Here it is. Are the Ravens getting their money's worth from Lamar? This question to me is, is stupid, really. It's something that if you didn't watch the game, that this is what you'd say. The Ravens put up 10 points. Oh, yeah, well, Lamar didn't score more points, but there were at least seven drops from this game, up to 10 maybe, depending on how you count it, which if you're going by the number seven, which is at the low end of it, that's tied for the third most of any team in the NFL since 2013 per True Media. Mark Andrews had three. One was a touchdown catch. Zay Flowers had two. They were both for first downs. Rashad Bateman had one, an easy, easy, easy touchdown catch. Nelson Aguilar also had one that should have been a touchdown as well. Somehow Lamar leaves this week scoring 10 points, and he has a 93.4 passing grade per PFF, which is good for fifth. No, my bad, which is good for first in the league. So explain that to me. I don't know how all this works, all these stats. How's he put up 10 points, 93, best passer grade of the week. But either way, it doesn't matter. Lamar fumbled the ball. Lamar threw an interception. But overall, I think he played really well. He's just getting no help. The Ravens get Zay Flowers in the first round. They signed OBJ. OBJ gets hurt after being out a couple weeks. He does come back in. Rashad Bateman finally comes back. You can see that he's still trying to knock the rust off. Nelson Aguilar played so well with sure hands all season, and then he just drops that one. Zay Flowers gets pumped up by Mike Tomlin this week. Mike Tomlin gives him all this praise about how good of a player he is. Two, they were such easy catches, too. It's not like they were tough to grab. The thing for me that, you know, after dissecting all this, week one, you're very familiar with this. The Chiefs play the Lions. There were a lot of drops in that game. Kadarius Tony, a ton of drops. No Chiefs player could catch the ball. Patrick Mahomes had an interception in that game as well. But the story coming out of that game was not, oh, Patrick Mahomes, is he getting paid too much? Patrick Mahomes lost his fastball. No, that's not the story. The story is Patrick Mahomes' receivers failed him. They didn't catch the ball. It's all their fault. Lamar has all these drops, and then we're blaming it on Lamar. Like, make it make sense. Why does Patrick Mahomes get this praise? Then Lamar throws these dots to, the, to his receivers. They don't catch it. It's Lamar's fault. Explain that to me. I don't get it. No, listen, the fans overreact and the media sucks. What do you want me to tell you? I mean, that's just how Baltimore works, right? It, it's not a slight at you guys as fans because you want to see your team perform optimally. They can't seem to not, you know, to, to catch the ball in a fashion in which Lamar Jackson can get a touchdown in a, in a, in a timely way as well. Um, listen, I thought Zay Flowers played really good with what he had to work with. I thought Mark Andrews played really good with what he had to work with. There were a lot of things in this game. I, I just wanted to see more out of, out of Justice Hill. I want to see the game where I say Justice Hill, as a running back, took this game over. And I didn't see that today. He got a touchdown, which is great. He got hit. What was it? He got the only touchdown of the game. So good for him. But but I want to see the game where he he is just on that level of, of, of an elite running back. And I, and I want that for him. Um, with the issues with J.K. to start the season that we've already seen, Somebody in that locker room as a running back has to take it over. Gus didn't play bad by any stretch, too. He wound up going for about 50 or odd yards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then Lamar, he topped Justice Hill as well. Uh, I understand Lamar a little bit more, considering he's a scrambling quarterback, so you're going to get some run production out of him as well. But I want to see the game where Justice, uh, Justice Hill 
is like, I'm going to take this game over with, with you know, all of, all of the running that I have at my disposal. Still play great. Still got the touchdown, you know, and, and that's that. Where I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble really trying to, to dissect this game is um, defensively, it was not the worst game ever either. It was not bad, it, it, but but there were too many plays. So the Pickens play that can't happen, right? That can't happen. I'm sorry, it, it can't. That's not. You can't let that occur, right? You have to get on him. You have to cover him. I don't. Who was on coverage with him? Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, Marlon. Marlon's not having a great season himself either. I, I don't think. Um, if there's if there's just more that can be fixed defensively. You know, this game doesn't happen, but I, I, I will say this. I think the Steelers played um, fantastic. I thought their defense was electric to watch. Um, but, man, Lamar, I, I'm, I, just, I, want, I just want him to slow down. I think he's trying to play so fast um, and, and, and almost in this backhanded, weird way. He's just not scrambling like he did. He, he, he had this ability to slow down and make things look so simple in his rookie season. And I think that touch is kind of lost. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing to me was the, was the Watt fumble. Uh, how do you not get out of that situation? It almost like, it's almost like he, he watched it, of, uh, you know, just fall apart. He tried to make the tackle, but I mean, you know, what, what can you expect out of him trying, trying to tackle TJ Watts? Not a, not an easy feat, but. Yeah, you don't really want your quarterback Man, that you're paying all that you money to be tackling TJ Watt. So I was okay with that play, unfortunately. Right. You you don't even Yeah, you don't even want to be in that situation to begin with. Um, which is which is I guess kind of to my point, you know, why why are we at the stage still wondering whether he can get out of the pocket or not? Still played a great game. Still many chances for that for that team to take over. This is absolutely in the wide receivers. I haven't talked enough about that. The receivers need to catch better. And I I want bigger runs. Is that, a, is that a hard thing to imagine or say? I know there's no Dobbins, so you can't say that there's a, a, a quote, elite running back, right? But I want more. I want more for you guys. That that, that running game is is not solidified enough. And um, I don't know if it's going to take Melvin Gordon. I don't know if it's going to take a shuffle. I don't know if it needs to be acquired. I just want more. Can I, can I say that? Yeah, you can say that, of course. I think I have about 10 counterpoints, 10 thoughts on everything you said because there's just so much coming out from this game. I agree that the Ravens' defense played good. Ravens, Marlon gives up that touchdown at the end of the game, but it's his first game back from injury. He hasn't played at all this season. So I'm not expecting him to come out and play perfect. I just wish that they wouldn't have put him in that situation. I know he wants to be in that situation. First game back, you know, it just, I feel like I give him a little leeway, even though you probably shouldn't, but he's just getting back in the swing of things. That shouldn't happen, though. Kenny Pickett doesn't look good. The offense puts up 17 points which isn't that much. They put up 14 points in the fourth quarter, which the Ravens always let up that many points in the fourth quarter. They did nothing really impressive on offense, but you got to give the Steelers' defense a little bit of credit. It's it's like 50-50. The Ravens drop all these balls that should have been caught, and the balls that they dropped had nothing to do with what the Steelers did. They could have easily had you know like 30 points in the first half. So the Ravens are still dicing it up, I feel like. Steelers defense overall, they stepped it up in the second half, though. They played a lot better in the second half. And then when you talk about the running game, Gus Edwards goes down. He ends up coming back in. Justice Hill plays really well. Then he gets a pass. He makes a move. He makes one guy miss. He gets to about 10 yards, get the first down. He goes to make another guy miss. Behind him, a defender comes, punches the ball out, fumble. And then after that, it's like 
don't give Justice Hill the ball, like another fumble. And then Lamar's situation, Lamar's always had a fumbling issue. If you can, like, as a Ravens fan, if you can remember, anytime Ed Reed would intercept the ball and he would return it, the way he would hold that ball out with just one hand, it, every Ravens fan was like, oh, that's a great interception, but, like, hold on to the ball. Like, be careful with it because he was so, like, he would he would just do his thing, and he was always so great at it. Like, it was never really an issue, but Lamar back there just – he has one hand on the ball and you just get nervous that it's going to happen. It seems to be a fumble because of that every game. And I don't know what it's going to take to fix that. The Ravens travel today to London to go play the Titans next week. So, you know, it's a quick turnaround for him here. I don't know what the answer is. It seems like everybody could improve on the offensive side of the ball. But again, like I'm really happy with what the defense did, even though they're playing against not a great Steelers offense. I mean, I think overall they played pretty well. Do you see the reaction by Matt Canada after Kenny Pickett threw the touchdown to George Pickens in the booth? No reaction. Wild, right? Like your offensive coordinator and everybody else in the booth was jumping up and down and excited. He was just no reaction at all.
Yeah, I agree. I'll try to wrap it up here as quick as I can. The Ravens defense has done this for, it seems like, forever. Maybe since the days of Ray Lewis leaving. Since then, it has been the same story. Ravens fans can relate. They know exactly the feeling. Whenever we're expected to win a game, we know that that's not going to be the case. I knew that that wasn't, it wasn't going to be a blowout game with the Steelers. You know it's going to be close. You expect it. It is what it is, even though the Ravens are the far superior team. They beat them in almost every category. But, I mean, at the end of the game, Ravens get a chance. Somehow somehow the Ravens get the ball. They It was off the punt. Steelers fumble the punt. Ravens have the ball inside the red zone. And then Lamar Jackson interception. Awful throw. Interception. So we don't get three there. Before halftime, fourth and two. Ravens end up snapping the ball when they could have had a kick from, what, the 20, 30-yard line. Easy one for Justin Tucker. Little miscommunication there that John Harbaugh said. It's kind of getting to the point where in the national media, people are talking about Eberflus and Josh McDaniels getting fired, being on the hot seat, maybe even Brandon Staley. Are we getting to the point? I think some Ravens fans are fed up with it. I'm not sure how I feel yet because I feel like I'm a John Harbaugh loyalist. But are we getting to the point where if John doesn't produce something more consistent and more solid that we might be seeing a change at the head coach at the end of this season? I mean, your quick thoughts on that? We're not quite seeing the explosive plays that we expected with this Todd Munkin offense. The same time, like I just I keep coming back to it. If you don't drop all these balls, we have a ton of explosive plays, but we're not seeing as many overall, even in the past couple games, that I think Ravens fans and Ravens players were expecting.
Agreed, one hundred percent. Let me throw one more thing at you. I before that, I agree. I don't know that. I love John. I would. I hope that he's here for the next twenty years. I believe in him, and I think he can turn this thing around. There's been a lot of mediocre seasons in the past after the Super Bowl, but this is a great team. We have a lot of weapons. Guys are getting healthy, and hopefully, you know, a lot of guys their first game back in a while. Hopefully, they can just continue to pick it up. We'll get a good turnaround this week against the Titans which I'll be super excited to talk with you about that later in the week. My last one, last time the Ravens were 3-2. and two. They finished the season 14-2. and two. I believe that that was Lamar Jackson's MVP season. So there you have it. Maybe John is just playing the long game and he's setting something up, but the two losses off of crucial communication errors and drop passes. So we will watch. Hopefully the Ravens can get this thing turned around. A couple quick things I've been thinking about. Interesting week of football. We're kind of getting to see where teams are at. So let me ask you, who is in the most trouble? We got the Giants with one win, Patriots with one win, the Broncos with one win, the Vikings with one win, and the Panthers with none. Out of those five teams there, who do you think is in the most trouble? I think every team we look at here could be 0-5. Adam Thielen probably had his best game as a Panther so far. But when you look at all these teams, like the Giants, I didn't expect them to be to be very good. The Patriots didn't expect them to be very good. Broncos thought they were going to turn it around, not able to. And the Panthers, I with the rookie quarterback, that team's been very bad for a long time, it feels like. So then I look at the Vikings sitting here at 1-4. and four. That's the team I think is the most in trouble. They had high aspirations this season after what they did last season. Now they're just not able to put it together. They draft a first-round wide receiver. They finally got some production out of him this game. They haven't got what they wanted out of him, and the offense has looked very good at times, but the defense has not looked good at all, it feels like. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. Then my second one, the bounce-back bandwagons. We got the Bengals, who played good for the first time in forever, it feels like. Justin Fields and the Bears lights it up against the Commanders, who we both projected that the Commanders were going to win that game, and it ended up being a blowout in favor of the Bears. And then the Jags, the Jags, go ahead and beat the Bills in London. Out of those three teams, which one are you hopping on the bandwagon for to continue to take, you know, to continue on a roll this season?
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the Bengals are a good choice here. We expected them to turn it around. We were waiting for them to. Joe Burrow looks the healthiest that he's looked all season. And without T. Higgins out there, Jamar Chase lights it up for the first time this season. I'm going to go Jags here. The Jags started off the season a little bit slow. They beat the Colts. Then they suffer a loss to the Chiefs, only put up nine points. But last two weeks, they put up 23 and 25 points to beat the Falcons and to beat the Bills. They leave London 2-0. The Bills are a great team. I know it was in London. I know that the Bills might have a couple injuries, but I think that Trevor Lawrence is very good. And I think that there's a little bit of room in this division for a letdown week or two. I think that this division is just so wide open with mediocre teams that the Jags are better than all these teams. So if there's a week or two where Trevor Lawrence isn't on his A game, that's okay. I think that the Jags are still able to get it done. So I'm jumping on the Jags here, and I think that they have a good chance to win this division uh, pretty easily, to be honest. And I have faith in Trevor Lawrence and get the ball to Calvin Ridley. When they get him the ball, they are successful. And Travis Etienne is playing very good as well. And same, the Bears, one win, I just... They played so well, but I just don't know that they're going to sustain that, even though they have all the talent in the world on offense to do that with just Justin Fields and DJ Moore, but it's just going to be a week-to-week thing for them. Any final thoughts? Thank you guys for joining us in another episode of the Sofa Sports Podcast. Until next time. 